פריידיי, יום שישי, ערב שבת קודש, פרשת נשוא, אין חוץ לארץ, פרשת ועדותך היא בן ארץ ישראל. And this is KMTT, כי מציון תצא תורה. And this is Ezubik, and today we have the ערב שבת פרוגרם, וטודי י"ג סיוון. It's exactly one week since שבועות. We're getting ready for Shabbat. Today's shir is dedicated in memory of Rav Chaim Yechiel Michel, then Rav Chaim Yechiel Michel, whose yard site falls tomorrow on Shabbat. And this opportunity, I'd like to again remind you that we're happy to dedicate shurim of KMTT, either in memory of somebody, if you want to do it, Lizzie Kavan, I think that the idea of being connected to Hafatzat Torah Barabim, to the teaching of Torah publicly, is, is an amazing zikaran, an amazing way to, to memorialize somebody. Torah is Netzach. And, and to teach Torah to Amisal, to help teach Torah to Amisal, to put Torah out onto the, into the waves of the, of the air, into the wires of the internet, is, is, I think a, a, a tremendous, a much better way of, of saying something about Lizikavan to somebody than, say, putting a plaque on a wall. Uh, but also, we dedications for Simchas. You have a bar mitzvah in the family, a wedding. So share it by sponsoring a share of a week of shiurim in KMTT and sharing in the schus of Lamei Tav Elavabim. Uh, this week, Erev Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat Nassau, we made a decision to have KMTT stick to the Chutzlaret schedule. It's a very strange feeling I have. I know that, I mean, I'm getting ready for Parshat Badotcha here in Eretz Yisrael. And the idea that Amisar is reading two different Parshiyot causes me a great, great deal of unease. It seems to me that and if, if this would be the first time somebody would just suggest, let's have a situation whereby in Chutz Laot, you read one Pasha, and it's a different Pasha, I think we'd all be upset. And it seems to be an amazing thing. We've gotten used to it. We've been doing it for thousands of years. But we normally expect that Kriyata Torah is something which Amisal is really unified about. So I know the reasons why it happens. Uh, second day of Shavuot in Chutz Laot was on Shabbat. We had a regular Shabbat here in Eretz so We read Nassau a week ago. And in Chutz Laot, they read, of course, the Kriya for Yom Tov for the second day of Shavuot. So I know how it happens, but I still don't understand why it happens. Why, why don't we fix it? Why, why, why don't we have a double parasha this week so that we can get back into sync together? It seems that it just really didn't bother Chazal that much. There are times when we don't even switch back at the first available normal double parasha. We'll, we'll switch back in, uh, in uh, Chukat Balak. And that's going to be five or six weeks from now. Maybe there's even something nice about it. The fact is that we're learning Torah around the clock. And if someone cannot read this, the parasha because it's Shavuot, so he reads something else, so he'll catch up later on. The main thing is we'll all meet at the end. We'll all meet on Simchat Torah. But we've made the decision that KMTT will, in fact, stick to the Chutzlaret schedule on the assumption that most of the listeners are in Chutzlaret. Uh, our Hebrew programming called Keshet this week already had a shiur for Pashat Pa'alotcha 
to the consternation of the people in the office who were balancing two different parashiyot and trying not to get confused. If you're listening to both Keshet and KMTT, as I recommend, if you have time for two shiurim a day, I recommend you do, then it probably also will be confusing because today you'll hear two shiurim, one on Pashat Nasa and one on Pashat Balotcha. Save the one for Pashat Balotcha for next week. If you're in Eretz Israel and you're listening to KMTT and you're hearing Pashat Nasal, that's probably even more frustrating. But Torah is a Torah. To learn about Pashat Nasal or to think about Pashat Nasal this week, even though we read it last week, is surely, is surely no crime. I would like to mostly speak about today in Pashat Nasal is the Pasha of Birkat Kohanim. Nasal is a very interesting Pasha. There's a lot in it. There's a lot in it. Uh, one of the small sections of Pashat Nasal is Kotavachut Bnei Yisrael Amodahem Yerachach Hashem Bishmarecha Yair Hashem Panavelecha Bichuneka Yisah Hashem Panavelecha Yisem Lecha Shalom The Pasha of Birkat Kohanim. It doesn't appear in any particular context in the Pasha. Just all of a sudden, it says, this is the way to give a bracha to Bnei Yisrael. Despite the fact that it's so short, or maybe because it's so short, only four psukim long, there is a great deal of comment, a great deal of medrash. The medrash on Pekat Konim is a significant portion of the entire medrash on Pashat Nasa. The first pasuk, Daber el Aaron v'el banav limor kote b'chut b'nei Yisrael emor lahem. From the words emor lahem, totally unnecessary. It says, speak to Aaron and his children, thus shall you bless b'nei Yisrael. You then expect a quote, Yivarech Hashem Yishmarecha. It says, no, thus shall you bless b'nei Yisrael, say to them, Yivarech Hashem v'yishmarecha. What's the say to them emor lahem? So, halachically, the Gemara has certain halachot which you learn from this. For instance, the halacha that the chazan leads the kohanim. The kohanim don't give a bracha, they're first called upon to say the bracha. That's two different halachot. One is you call to them kohanim, and then they begin. And two is that each word in the bracha, first the chazan says, Yibarechacha, and then they answer Yibarechacha. That they're not saying on their own, so the emolahem is not, is you, Moshe Rabbeinu, or someone in his place, say to the kohanim, to say Barechacha. So that's a certain halacha which is learned uh, from this. In Pshat, though, the, the words still, still bother us. Uh, one of the halachot learned from Emol Lahem, it's understood in a different sense than the Drashai just said, is that Berkat Konim should be said out loud. Emol Lahem, Ka'adam Hamadaber El Chaviro. Here, in terms of the Pshat, the Emol Lahem is not Moshe Rabbeinu say to them the Konim, but you Kohanim, when you give a bracha to Bnei Israel, speak to them. Don't bless them. Speak to them when you bless them. How does one speak to them? The Bikat Kohanim should be said out loud. There's a very famous discussion initiated by the Beit HaLevi, of Yosef Dov HaLevi Salavechik, of Chaim's father, as to whether or not Kohanim can do Bikat Kohanim using Shomea Kaone. There's a lachic principle of Shomea Kaone, that if I hear you say a bracha with the intention to be to be yotzi, to fulfill my obligation, it's as though I said it. Yeah, for instance, on a regular basis, one person says Kiddush on a Friday night, and all the people there are yotzi. They've all said Kiddush. How have they all said Kiddush? One said it, really? 
and the other is Ashomea Keone. Hearing is like reciting. So to hear a recitation is as though you recite it. So the Beit HaLevi asked, could we have a situation whereby one Kohen would say the Bechot, and all the other Kohenim would be Shomea Kone? They, they're saying it, but they're saying it by hearing it. The Beit HaLevi assumed that it was impossible. He never heard anyone doing it, and therefore he went ahead to explain why. And as it turns out, later on, we, we found certain references that at one time at least, there was a custom specifically uh, identified as being an Italian Jewish custom, of precisely this, of only one coin, the elder coin, or someone who was being honored would say the cut coin out loud. The other coin would go up to the duchan, they would go up to the front of the congregation, they would stand by him, but they would just listen and not say it. The Beit Levi assumed that that was impossible. He said the reason was because of this halacha of kol ram. Shomeya keone, he who hears as though he has recited it. But he hasn't recited it out loud. He's recited it in silence, because he's only listening. And since Vakat Kohanim has to be said out loud, so you cannot use Shomer Ka'oneh in order to do it. That's what the Beit HaLevi said. Many people have asked, uh, it's, it's, it's told that the Osameach of Meir Simcha of Dvinsk asked Rav Chaim, the Beit HaLevi's son, this question. And it's also found in the, in the Chazanish. What does it mean Shomer Ka'oneh? If you imagine Shomer Ka'oneh means that hearing is as good as reciting, then the Beit Levi is right. Because reciting is out loud and hearing is not out loud. So for this purposes, for the purposes of Birkat Konim, which needs to be recited out loud, hearing is not like reciting, even though hearing is like reciting in other contexts. But, the Asameach claimed, that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that hearing is as good as reciting. It means hearing becomes reciting. When you hear the words, the words apply to you exactly in the same extent as they apply to the person who uttered them. And his proof of it was, we find very often that the halachot, which seem to be similar to the case of Bekat Kohanim, where you not nearly need something to be recited, but recited in a certain way, and the one who hears it is considered to have recited in that way. For instance, Kiddush I just mentioned, this was the Asamaic's example. Kiddush isn't just recited. It's recited al-hayayin, it's recited over a cup of wine. Why do the people who hear it, who don't have wine, how would they all say they may have heard it and therefore it's as though they recited it, but they didn't recite it over wine, they don't have any wine. You see from this, says the Osamech, that it's not that hearing is as good as reciting. It's that the words that are being uttered by the reciter belong both to him and to the hearers. So the words which are over the wine are as though they came out of their mouths. So they've actually recited it over the wine, and therefore the Asamech says, so in that case, if they would hear the Kohen say it out loud, it's as though they recited it out loud. What's the problem? Why isn't that included in Shomea Ke'oneh? The Chazon Ish's example was a different one. He said, you uh, hear Kriyat Megillah, Megillat Esther. The mitzvah is to read Megillat Esther. How is everybody fulfilling his uh, commandment, his mitzvah? By listening, because Shomea but when you read Megillat Esther, it's not just saying the words, it's reading. The words must be said from the Megillah, from the cloth, from the book. If the Balkore reads it by heart, neither he nor anybody else is Yotze. So again, the Chazanish said, if you say that Shomea Ka'oneh means that hearing is the same as good, parallel to listening, to, excuse me, to reciting. Well, the reciter has read it from the book, but the hearer hasn't 
heard it from the book. What does this prove? This proves that it's not that hearing is like reciting, is that hearing allows you to be considered a reciter. The recitation, recitation of the words, but here reciting it belongs to you as well. So he's reading from the book, you've read from the book as well. In which case, the Chazunish said, it should be considered to be out loud as well by all the listeners too. A number of answers are given to this question. The, the simplest answer, which I think is, is implicit in the fact that the Beit Levi doesn't say anything else, is that there's a difference between these two cases. When somebody reads from a book and you listen, you're listening to the words read from the book. In other words, the words are different words. They're not, it's not said out loud, it's being read. Same thing is true for Yayin al Kiddush Avayayin. Kiddush, these words are recited over wine and those are the words which I'm relating to. But Kol Ram, saying out loud, is not a kind of a word. It's not that the word is said in a, in a given context. It's an, it's an, Betalevi understood that it was an extra thing. You have to not only speak, you also have to converse. And what the Beit Levi was saying is, is that speech, speech over wine, speech from a book, that can be related to by Shomer Ka'oneh. But conversing cannot be done by Shomer Ka'oneh. If I overhear two people talking, two people conversing with each other, I'm not conversing with either one of them. And even though the Halakha is Shomer Ka'oneh, so it's as though I said the words of the one speaking, but I haven't said them to the other person. I, I think there are two different verbs here. Speech is related to in Shomer Ka'oneh, but conversing, medaber ish im this is not said. The Ravayi uh, Pamaranchik wrote a book called Emek Bracha. Ravayi Pamaranchik was a student of Ravel Vosalavetchik, of Chaim's son. Although he's a student of a grandson of Beit Levi. He answered that the reason why you need Kol Ram is not because you need to speak out loud. It's because the people have to hear the words. This is similar to the first answer I gave, but, but slightly different. He's saying it's, it's, not an, it's not an aspect of the speech at all. You don't really have to speak out loud. You have to speak in a manner that people will hear because that's what it means. It doesn't come to tell you how to speak. It comes, you have to make sure that they'll hear because Bikat Kohanim is not a mitzvah of speech. It's two parts. It's a mitzvah that I should speak and you should hear. It's very similar. Before I said it's a mitzvah to converse, but I really thought they meant how you speak. Here he's saying is that a cipher that you have to speak, they have to hear. And that's what it means, Kol Ram. So, Shomer Kohanes says that you spoke. And, f- and frankly, he's willing to admit you spoke out loud. But even though you spoke out loud, nobody could hear you. Shomer Kohanes means it's as though you spoke out loud, but you can't say it's as though they heard. So you spoke out loud, but nobody heard you, and therefore you're not making the mitzvah of Bukat Kohanim, which requires you not only to speak, and not only to speak out loud, but also to be heard by the people to whom you are speaking. The Nitziv, who's also in the family, slightly differently, the Nitziv was the Mechutin of the Beit HaLevi. The Nitziv was the grandfather-in-law of Rav Chaim, the Beit HaLevi's son. The Nitziv thought that the question was really a good question, and he really thought it proved that the Beit HaLevi was wrong, that Shomer Kohanet could work. However, he thought there was another problem. As you know, Bukat Kohanim is said in Shmon and it has to be said in Shemun Esrei. A Kohen doesn't just meet you in the street, even ten people in the street, and give them a Kat Kohanim. 
it has to be either in the Beit HaMikdash as part of the Avodat Beit HaMikdash or today when there is no Beit HaMikdash it's said in Tefillah. The Nitziv claimed that not only is it said in Tefillah, it is Tefillah. It's part of Shemun Esrei. And there's halacha that in Tefillah Shomaya Koneh doesn't work. The idea being, it's a very important idea, that Tefillah is, is conversation with God. It's, it's pouring out your soul. Shomaya Koneh is a legal method of relating to the words. But, but you can't be said to be praying. You're not, you're not beseeching God. You're not speaking to God through Shomaya Koneh. And since the Nitziv thought that Bekat Konim was part of Tefillah, part of Shemun Esrei, so he said the entire idea of Shomer Ka'oneh is excluded from Birkat, from Birkat Ka'onim. The Chazanesh, I mentioned before, he was one of those who asked the question, he in fact reached a conclusion that you could do it. He thought that he had proven that Shomer Ka'oneh could work. I don't know if the Ka'onim would agree. They, if you're a Kohen, you're, I imagine you take a great deal of pride in saying the bracha, not just listening to someone else say the bracha. Um, but as I pointed out, the Beit HaLevi was opposed to the very idea and thought that each Kohen must say Bukat Konim himself, he must say it out loud, and not rely on what's being said by the fellow Kohen who's standing next to him. Bukat Konim Prapa. The first Pasuk, there are three Bukhot in Bukat Konim. The first Bukha, the first blessing, Ivarecha Hashem Vishmarecha. God should give you a bracha. God should bless you and also protect you. Protect you from what? The Nitivot of Yaakov Milisa answered a beautiful answer. He said, a bracha, the first bracha is God should give you a bracha. It means he should give you a lot of bracha, a separate bracha. But we know that sometimes the very fact of a bracha can be detrimental, can be lera'ah. The example is the Pasuk in Ha'azinu, Vayishman Yishurun Vayivat. Because Israel was rich, that's why it sinned. In other words, Bracha, especially Bracha Bolam is sometimes difficult to take. And therefore, the first Bracha is Yivarech Hashem, Kachukibi Bracha, Vayishmarech, I should protect you from the Bracha he just gave you. You should have a Bracha and be protected from the side effects, so to speak, the possible detrimental side effects of the very fact that one has a bracha. Second verse, second pasuk. Ya'er Hashem panavelecha vichunekka. What does the word vichunekka mean? A very difficult word. What is vichunekka? The Midrash, Bamid Bababa, on this uh, on this pasuk has I think a dozen explanations for Vichuneka. It asks Bemai Vichuneka and then it goes B in Aleph, in Bet, in Gimel. A long list. There must be at least at least a dozen. So I don't think it's possible there can be twelve different explanations for the word Vichuneka. I think if there are twelve explanations in the Midrash, what it means is that it doesn't mean any of them. I think what Vichoneka means is God will share Himself with you. Lachon is different than Latet. Latet is to give. So God can give, but you couldn't just say, and He will give. You have to say what? So it could say, Yiten Lacha Shalom. He will give you peace. Or Yiten Lacha Osher. Yiten Lacha Ochel. 
Vichunaka never appears in the Torah with a direct object. So we translate it as, will grant, but in the Pasuk it says, and he will grant you. It doesn't say what. I think what it means is not that he will give you something, but he will, he will be giving to you. He will give of himself to you. We have an example of this in Tefillah, where we say in Shemona Esrei, we're talking about the bracha where we ask God to give us wisdom, as opposed to every other bracha where we ask for money and slicha and, and, and fu'ah, etc. But by wisdom it says, um, You grant man wisdom. Grant us from within you wisdom. Because it's not something which God will create and give us, it's from within him. So therefore, usually, Bichonek appears without anything at all. So what is the Midrash talking about? The Midrash wants to know how is that expressed? If God shares himself with us, what in the end do we have? And there, there are a lot of examples. It's B'chokhmah, B'torah, with Simcha. There's a whole long list of examples as to how it's expressed. Because sharing God with himself, God sharing himself with us, will of course express itself in impalpable things. And therefore the Midrash says, Bima, not what does he give, but what is it expressed with? Bima, with what is it expressed? And that's where you find 12 or more different ideas in the Midrash. Third verse. Yisa Hashem panave lecha, v'yasem lecha shalom. Yisa Hashem panave lecha literally means God will raise his face, raise his countenance onto you. The expression Laseit Panim in the Torah means something else. And the Gemara asked how this could possibly be said as a bracha. Laseit Panim means to show favoritism. So for instance, a judge is forbidden to Laseit Panim. What's more about God specifically, it is stated that because he is a just judge, he will not show favoritism, he will not raise his face towards one of the two sides who are appearing before him, and will not accept a bribe. There's a parallelism between Laseit Panim and Lakachat Shochad. To show favoritism is to take a bribe, which of course is forbidden. The Gemara expresses this as a question which the angels asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which means that's a very good question. The angels always ask questions which are objectively quite correct. Shalom Alachei Sharet Lifnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Brachot, Daf Bet. Why do you show your face, raise your face to Israel when you've already said, You said you won't show favoritism to one side. So God gives a very interesting answer. He says, How can I not show favoritism to Israel? After all, in the Torah I wrote, Ve'achalta, ve'savata, uverachta. I wrote, this is the Pasuk from which we say Berkat Amazon, benching. I said you should eat, you should be satiated, and then you should make a bracha. So when does one have to say Berkat Amazon? When one eats a full meal. Satiation. Vesavata, svi'a. But they, the Jews, have have accepted upon themselves to say Berkat Amazon for either a kezayit or a kebetza. Two opinions in the Gemara, whether you say it for an olive's worth or for an egg's worth, but it's a lot less than Sevi'ah. That's the answer. That's the answer. 
God says, I, 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 you're right, I shouldn't show favoritism. And how can I not show favoritism when the Jews have accepted upon themselves to be medaktik, to be, to be strict upon themselves? And they say, even for amounts less than I told them. So the, the, the Midrash itself is really strange. After all, if the point was that God shows favoritism to the Jews because they have chumrot, there are a lot of other examples. All the dinim, the Rabbanan, the Shabbat, and, and in many other, almost every area. Where isn't there an area where, mid the Rabbanan, you don't have uh, extensions and, 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 and additions to what the Torah says? What's the point of benching? So I think the answer is really obvious. Uh, first of all, it's bracha. God gives us a bracha of Yisa Panim because we give him a bracha. That's somewhat to close in. But I think it's even deeper than that because what does it mean to make a bracha when you don't have to make it? When you make a bracha, you are creating Shem Shemayim. God's name is in your mouth. The world is, is alienated from God. God is not in the world. But we bring God into the world by saying Barachot. Mevachim et Hashem. We bless God's name. What does it mean to bless God's name? You bless God's name by, by actually simply mentioning it and God's name is blessed in the sense that it's, it's found, it exists, it's, it's, it's becomes present within, within the world. So therefore, when you make Barachot where God didn't command you to make a Barachot, you're creating the basis for God's presence in the world. And I think that's what God says because otherwise you have a question, so what if God says they're nice to me if I'm nice to them? That's part of not to show favoritism. The judge always shows favoritism to the side which is being nice to him. Could a judge say, how can I show favoritism after all they gave me money? That would be lo So what's God's answer? Well, they make bracha therefore I have to show favoritism. But I think the answer is when you make a bracha, especially when you make extra bracha, you make bracha which, which God didn't command, but you, you felt it necessary, Chazal thought it was necessary, then you're the basis for God's presence in the world. So to that extent, that expression of God's presence, that manifestation of God, it's not favoritism anymore. You've, you've made it. You're, you're the chariot, so to speak, for the divine presence. It's called Merkava the Shechina in the language of Chazal. So to the extent that God is resting on you, on your mouth, on your bracha, how can he not show favoritism? It's not two neutral people who appear before him, Israel and the nations of the world. God is only here to judge because we are carrying him, so to speak, on our shoulders. So God said it's not favoritism to Israel, it's favoritism to myself. My presence in the world is the brachot that they make and therefore it's not even a just question to ask why this should not be nisiyat panim. What I wanted to add is the following. Shabbat is the outside of Avchayim Valajana. I mentioned in the beginning we dedicated it in the outside of one person. It's also the outside of Avchayim Valajana, the founder of the Shiva Valajana, the Talmud of the Bilnagan. Avchayim asked about the Madras I just quoted about one, one word. God said that I told them to make a bracha v'achalta v'savata v'erachta v'heimidaktakim al atzman ad kezayit ad kebetzai and they are strict on themselves even to a kezayit, even to a kebetzai even to an alba's worth, even to an egg's worth. But Chaim asks, why does it say v'daktakim al atzman? That they are strict and exacting on themselves. 
should have said medaktikim at kazayin. They are exacting even on a olive's worth and not merely kadei sviya. So Rav Chaim gave the following answer. It's a very simple answer, very beautiful answer, with an obvious lesson of Musa. Rav Chaim answered, you know, what, what does it mean that you, may, you bench, you say Bekat HaMazon over Kazayit? It's not that you say Bekat HaMazon even though it's not a Seuda, it's not a meal. Because the fact is, you only do Kazayit, if you eat less than a Kazayit, you don't have a, you don't have Bekat HaMazon. It's that the Jews decided that even a little bit of food is enough, is like Svia. Ezu Sameach, Ezu Asher Sameach Bechalko. When we eat Kazayit Ukubetza, we view that as being a Suda. If I had more, I would eat more. But suppose I don't have more, if I'm not hungry now, whatever. You eat the smaller amount, but we view it as being a suda. God gave us the food, and we're happy with what God gives us. As though He'd given us Ad Kadeh We accept that we will be satiated with this little bit amount of food. So if that's the fact, He says, you know, it could have a, it could have a, it could have a side effect, a bad side effect. Suppose an Ani, a poor person, comes to my door. He's hungry. I have to feed him. I have to give him a suda. I'll say to him, you know, we Jews, we're very demanding. We're very exacting. I'll give him one kazayit, an hour's worth of bread, and say to him, this is what we call a suda. We call this a full meal. If that's what the Jews would do, that would not lead to God showing us favoritism. The fact that we, instead of giving an ani a real meal, we give him one kazayit. But that's not what the Jews do. Medaktakim al atzmam. Ad kezayit, ad On themselves, they say, kezayit is like a suda. For others, they say a suda is a full meal, four courses. That's why God says, I show them, I show them favoritism. In other words, being machmir, or being medaktik, in the language of this midrash, being exacting, being strict, is a wonderful thing when it's al atzmam, when it's on yourself. But you're not supposed to have these kind of chumrat when you apply them to other people as well. We all know that there is a tendency sometimes for people to be machmir for others and not for themselves. The favoritism of God to Israel was based on the fact that they on themselves are machmir, are strict, but not on but not on others. And if I can just conclude as to the, I think the Musa behind it, in this particular case, of course it wouldn't be nice if you told the poor man, I think a suda is one kazayit. But how exactly would that that pervert the idea that they were medactic on themselves. We explained beforehand that they had Shem Shemayim in their, in their mouths. They had God's name by making Bachot. No, it's immoral, so any immorality could ruin it. But I think it's deeper here. When you give only a little bit of food to the Ani, to the poor person, you're telling him that God has not provided enough for me to give you more. It's not just that you're not giving tzedakah, you're being cheap on his expense. You're saying that, that's all, what is Bekat It's Bekat Aretz. God gave us the good land and we thank God for Eretz Yisrael or for the land which has given us all this bountiful produce. Comes in a need to me and I say, no, I'll give you a Suda, but it's the minimum Suda. It's one Zayat. I'm saying, I'm saying that God is cheap, not just that I'm cheap. God's Bechah is not in the world. If that's the way you would be treating the Ani, God's Bechaz and the world, you're doing the exact opposite of what you do when you make Bechat Amazon on your own meal and you're saying God's Bracha is in the world. It's the same action, eating a little bit and viewing it as a Suda. When I do it for myself, I'm saying, 
I feel God's bacha, I feel God's providence, I feel God's bountifulness, even in one little kazayit. When you give it to somebody else, you're saying, God isn't, it doesn't have a lot to give us. So you have to eat only, only a little bit. But the main thing I wanted to say was of Chaim's spot. You should be medactic on yourself. Then Shem Shemayim is sanctified through you and you merit a different attitude from God. God looks upon you with favor. When you medactic on others, you have the exact opposite effect. And now for today's Havachayomit, we're getting very close in the davening. Yesterday we said Ashrei and Avadat and now we come to Aleinu. I'm davening with Ashkenaz. Aleinu is the thing immediately after Avadat What is Aleinu? Aleinu is said at the end of every tefillah. The Gemara says that Aleinu was originally written by Yehoshua when he entered Eretz Yisrael. When they crossed from the desert into Eretz Yisrael, this is what Yehoshua said. The prayer called Aleinu. I think the reason why we say Aleinu at the end of davening is it's not actually part of davening. Aleinu is the prayer you say when you leave the house of Hashem, you leave God's presence to go into the world. When the Jews left the Midbar, we think of the Midbar as being a desert, but the way the Torah describes the Midbar, it's a desert, but it was it was God's desert. It was You were in God's hands. The clouds of glory above you, you ate the man. Everything was taken care of. You weren't living in the world. You were living in God's hands. Now they're entering Eretz Yisrael. And they're going to have to build houses and plant plant vines and sit underneath the uh, the fig trees. They're going to have to work the land. They're, they're entering the real world. Don't need a government. Don't need, don't need, don't need everything we consider part of the world. Yeshua's tefillah was to say, Aleinu. Aleinu says, we know the world, first part, is full of Azara, is full of idolatry, but we go with God's name. The second part, I think, is even more significant. Alkein nekaveh lecha. We're saying, we're going the world, but we want the world, and we believe the world should and will look like where we're just coming from. The world doesn't. The world doesn't reflect the presence of God, but it will eventually. Letakein olam b'malchut shakai. To, to correct, to fix, to build the world as a kingdom of God. And all mankind, all humanity, all flesh will call out in God's name. In order to enter the world, what, what, what's the what's the heter? What's the permission? How can I leave the shul to enter the world? How can I leave God's presence to enter the world? The answer is because when we enter the world, it's with the hope, the prayer, and the mission to make the rest of the world reflect what we saw in shul. And so, in order to leave Shul, you have to say Aleinu. Aleinu is the permission to leave Shul. And that's why it's at the end of every daven. This explains the minhag of not saying Aleinu when you have two tefillah together. For instance, when you daven Mincha Ma'ayav together, or uh, after Shacharit on Shabbat, where it's followed by a Musaf, or on Yom Kippur, when you're in the presence of God all day, we never leave God's presence on Yom Kippur. So we don't say Aleinu at all until, until the end of davening. Not after Shacharit, not after Musaf, and not after Mincha. Because Aleinu isn't part of davening. There are Shachrit and Musaf are two different tefillot. But Aleinu is not there for the tefillah. It's there for going out the door. And that's why it's there at the end. In Nusach Sfad, it's said literally at the end. It's the last thing one says, which makes a lot of sense. 
In this Ashkenaz, we say Shir Shayom afterwards. But I, I, I suspect that that's just an accident. Shir Shayom was added. It's also not part of Tefillah. It said in memory of the Leviim who said Shir Shayom. I think it defines the day rather than Tefillah. And therefore, it came out to be after, after Aleinu. Uh, I think Nusach Sfad makes more sense, but Nusach Ashkenaz is really okay. Also, Aleinu is still the very, very, very end. An interesting thing has happened in Eretz Yisrael. Uh, in Nusach Ashkenaz, you do not say Enkel Okeinu every day. The Ramah already mentions that we don't say Enkel Okeinu. He says the reason, it's a strange, he doesn't know why. He said you should say Enkel Okeinu, specifically Peter Maktarat. And he gives a reason. Only on Shabbat. The reason Ramah gives is because during the week people are very pressured at the end of Dabrin, they're in a rush, have to go work. And, and, and Pitu Maktoret has to be said carefully because you're reciting the ingredients of the incense, of the Ktoret. And there's a law that if you leave out, if the person making the incense will leave out one of the ingredients, he, he is Chayav Mita, he incurs the death penalty. And by saying it is like making it. And we're afraid, the Ramah says, if you say it, under pressure, hurriedly, you might leave something out. And that's as though you would be incurring the death penalty. Strange reason. That's what he says. On Shabbat, you have more time. No one's in a rush on Shabbat. Therefore, we only say it on Shabbat. And that's really the Minigan Ashkenaz. In Eretz Israel, even in Minigan Ashkenaz, we say it every day. It's the influence of the Gva, who said, very nice reason the Ramah is given, but it's not Lahalacha. And his influence took place in, in Eretz Israel because of the Aliyah of the Tamidim of the Gva. And everyone says in Kalkenu in, in Eretz Israel. However, it said after Elena. It said after even Shir Shayam. I think the reason is simply an accident. After all, on Shabbat, in the Sachashkenaz, you say Enkel Keinu and then Elena. On during the week, you say Elena and then Enkel Keinu. There's no reason to explain that. What simply happened was that it was added. It was left out of the Sidurim because the Minhag Ashkenaz was not to say it. The Gras said put it back. So they put it back at the end. And it got tucked, tacked on in the tail end if it came at the very, very last thing that one says. But it should be said before uh, before Aleinu. That's the proper order. Aleinu should be last. Only Shir Shayom and Minagashkas comes after Aleinu. That's it for today. Wishing you Shabbat Shalom. You've been listening to KMTT. Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. The Torah podcast of Yeshivat HaRetzion. And we want to repeat our web address. If you're listening, you've probably been there. But we remind you to give it to your friends. The address on the web is www.kimitzion.org That's kimitzion, K-I-M-I-T-Z-I-O-N dot O-R-G We also have a Hebrew broadcast called Keshet which is found on the web at www.etzion.org That's etzion, E-T-Z-I-O-N dot O-R-G dot I-L slash Keshet Keshet stands for in Hebrew Kol Shidurei Torah and except for with one exception four out of the five Shurim in Hebrew are different than the ones in English so if you can understand the Shurim in Hebrew and you have more time you should be getting them both simply put both addresses into your podcatcher and you will automatically get not half an hour a day but an hour a day of Shurim why not? sounds great to me and tell your friends and spread the word. Keshet is slowly, and, and KMT, they slowly begun to grow. Every week to a few more people. But I admit I'm impatient. And I'd like to see hundreds more. Because I think, I think you can do it. And I think that there are people who would really want to hear about it. Kol Tov.
Shabbat Shalom. We'll be back on Monday with the Shir of Araf Tavori. The weekly mitzvah of Araf Tavori is on the Israeli schedule, so next week's weekly mitzvah will be for Pashat Shlach. Until then, Bibekat HaTorah Mitzion. Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim.